Today's episode is sponsored by you and others like you who have pledged a flexible monthly donation through the Urban Achiever Patreon page. Please consider becoming a contributor by visiting patreon.com slash urbanachiever. And thank you for your support. What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Welcome to the show. This is episode 84, and uh, I'm happy to have you. If you're uh, new to the show, welcome. Uh, If you're old to the show, welcome anyway. (laughs) I know we got a little uh, spotty over the holidays there, people, um, but I'm making a diligent effort here at a comeback. If you've not uh, been paying attention, we do have a new show on Mondays, where I just do a little off-the-cuff updating on uh, shows I've been watching and books I've been reading and uh, just little things about life. And I uh, hope, hope seems like some of you guys are enjoying that, uh, which is cool. But today on the show, uh, my guest is Josh Kemble, formerly of the band, well, formerly and currently of the band Dogwood. Uh, if you've not heard, Dogwood's doing a couple of reunion shows uh, this weekend on Friday and Saturday in San Diego and Ventura. Depending on when you're listening to this, you might still have a chance to catch that show. It's MXPX, Five Iron Frenzy, and Dogwood, I believe. And uh, But I, 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 you know, I normally don't come into these shows with an, uh, an agenda, but uh, I... Just being frank with you, uh, I did want to talk to Josh today about uh, some of the food stuff that he's been doing because it's extremely cool. Uh, if you're more interested in kind of the dogwood minutia, I encourage you to go back and listen to the episode with Sean O'Donnell, uh, guitarist from Dogwood, where we kind of dug into the um, some of the more musical background stuff on Dogwood. Um, but yeah, we had a super cool talk. I hadn't talked to Josh in a really long time. I was Dogwood's A&R guy when they were at Tooth and Nail. I worked on a bunch of records with him. And uh, Josh has always been a guy that had a great, has a great sense of humor, uh, has a good heart, and uh, has done some really cool stuff that you'll hear about today. All right, so let's get to it. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Josh Kemble. There was a time that I was fine. I swear everything was fine. It just covered all the lies. I didn't know that everything would change. I was lost in my own world. You were compromising doors. You were never really there. Not enough to see that you would lose. I'm letting you off. My assumption that if I could find some way to get back there in a venture straight to your heart. Without it, everything is so perfect Why can't I just hide the best? Forget about the good times Josh, welcome to the show, man. I think this might be i think this might be the first time I've repeated a band. I'm not positive, and I'm sure that someone will correct me uh, if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think in, in 80-something episodes, this is only the second time that I've uh, had another person from the same band. Yes, I'm glad to be a part of that. All right. <laughs> did you we did it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we have a lot in uh common in our backgrounds in, in terms of like san diego and stuff like that were you always uh a san diego guy or were you born somewhere else what's the deal with that i was i was born in a army hospital in fort leonard wood missouri really actually yeah and then we since my dad was in the army god bless our troops we moved around <laughs> a couple times I met, ended up in Jacksonville, Florida for a, a spell. And then, and then er, my earliest memories are in Southern California, San Diego. So right. I don't remember the other two places, but we were, we were there and I was technically not born here, but I gotcha. But yeah, then spent a lot of, spent the majority of my life in San Diego, the great land of Missouri. <laughs> yep. I don't know if, which the state flower is dogwood. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Fun fact, everybody. State flower is Great. dogwood. It was like it was meant to happen. I think it is. 
<laughs> I, don't quote me on that. Someone I, told me that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. I don't know for a fact, guys, but I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they changed it. That, I don't know if they do that. That's crazy. And and your last name's <laughs> Kemble, but isn't your... Um, tell me about like your ethnicity and everything like that. Like, is your dad... Okay, yeah. like what's So dad is... Yeah, that's the Greek side of the family. Okay. And Kemble is a stepfather, his last name. Okay. And he's an Englishman um, by, her, by his heritage. But I ended up... Just, my mother, the Mexican side, who I relate most to is Sandoval. Uh-huh. Um, so instead of just taking that last name, when she got remarried, I took the, her new husband's last name and then just didn't have the wherewithal to change it back to the family name. So Man. I've been Kimball for, <laughs> for <laughs> since I was a kid. You know, it's funny because I, I walked into the Social Security office when I was like 11 by myself and said, my mom got remarried. I need to change my last name. And they said, here you go, kid. And they totally did the whole thing for me without any hassle. What? Changing my name. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah just walked into an office. <laughs> where I was like, I want to say I was 11. Uh, just, I need to change my name. And then they didn't ask me any questions. That's crazy. Well, the good so, old days. Yeah. Yeah. They just let you do whatever <laughs> you want. That's, this is freedom. <laughs> if you're nine and you want to change your name, just come on in. <laughs> my name's the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Good luck doing that. You have to go to like probably five different buildings to do that and have like an affidavit exactly. and witness and mm-hmm. things are complicated, Josh. So then what happened, uh, what happened with your folks? Like what, what happened with your dad? So the, the real dad, I actually never, I don't have any memories of just okay. a couple of photos. I gotcha. Um, and then, so I was, I was, it was just my mom and I for a while till about six, she remarried. And then, so I had that stepdad. Mr. Kimball till for about 10 years in my life and uh-huh. my, my formative years, if you will. Right. So he was the one that yeah, I got most of fathering from, but there was also, you know, there was some good and some bad. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, just like any other dad, I guess, but there was, he had his own childhood trauma. So that kind of pours over into, you know, new, our family life. And then they ended up getting a divorce. But, um, so in the meantime, my younger brother and sister don't really get to know their, their real father, who is, who is that guy who left. So, Mm-hmm. I'm in the, I, I have to take a other role of, you know, big brother slash dad. And my mom is also slash dad. Wow. So there was some stuff. Yeah. What's the age difference with your siblings? Are they quite a bit younger than you or my sister is six years mm-hmm. and my younger brother is almost 12 years. Wow. That is a big difference. So, so there's, yeah. Yeah. So when I was old enough, when I was like in high school, when all the, you know, the, everything went down, they were, they were just young. They were really young. Mm-hmm. So they don't have that much memory of it at all. Right. Which I guess is kind of good. Yeah. That was a difficult time for you. It was. Yeah. It was, um, I'd say sophomore year to junior year, like between those two, that's when the split was happening. So that's, and that's usually when a high school boy could use a dad, you know, uh, you know, cause I was doing all the sports that he trained me to do and wanted me to do and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, music wasn't really a part of the life, my life yet in terms of, um, writing my, my emotions down and stuff like that. So it was all just trying to please the parents and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was really strange too, cause we were, we were, um, heavily involved in like the Calvary Chapel church system. So like, you know, we were a church family who was going through this stuff. So that was an interesting dynamic also, you know? Yeah. So like seeking, you know, help or whatever, mm-hmm. or from the community, but they also like kind of, you know, some people look down on divorce and, but it's a real thing that's happening. You know, it's a real thing that happens. So what are you going to do? What can we do? You know? Yeah. When the statistics <laughs> you, are like, like half of everybody, I guess you have to address it. You can't just uh, yeah <laughs> pretend so it's, it's like, not happening. Right. You look out at the church and say, okay, half of you guys are going are gonna to be judged uh, unwelcome here in a minute. So just be ready for that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We're about to alienate half the congregation here in the next uh, 10 minutes. Yeah. So just, just so you guys know, it's either going to be, you're going to be divorcees or one of your kids is going to turn out homosexual. So just be ready for the judgment. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Who knows? Now what, I don't know. What, uh, what high school did you go to? I ended up going to school. We moved from um, North Park area down here in San Diego. We moved up to Escondido in North County. Uh-huh. And then, so I went to Escondido High and then I ended up going to Orange Glen High. A um, couple of funny stories, but I got an exchange student um, from France and they ended up canceling the, the German program at Escondido. So we had to kind of find a high school for me to go. And all my, all my friends were at 
Orange Glen High, the other high school. So it worked out and I got to live with this other family that we were good, close friends with. And um, they kind of adopted me into their, their Dutch family. So huh. my, my, my senior year, I grew up with a, this, this awesome family um, just right across town. We're, I was still close, close with my, my own family. We weren't too far away, but um, it was just kind of a weird experience going three years to one high school. And then the last year at, an, at a whole other high school where all my friends actually went. So it was, it was a pretty interesting experience. And I had a, this French exchange student so we could have some conversations and whatnot. But I uh, learned some things about um, different cultures because it was across town, you know, other side uh-huh. of the tracks kind of mentality <laughs> Right at the time. Yeah, uh, there were some reputations about the schools and stuff like that. Well, really? I think they're a little, maybe, maybe a little more equal now, but or mm. I don't know, maybe not. But yeah, it was this side <laughs> was... Because you know, I don't, I don't know why people think the way they think, but you know, it just happened to be where where those kids went, and then before they built the other the other high schools, the continuation yeah. schools and whatnot. So it was it was a fun experience. But it, when I went to Escondido, it was where I went to school with all the guy the kids that I had grown up with on my side of town. So you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the a lot of the Escondido gang members or people who are in and out of you know juvie or incarceration. So who I was always friends with because we always grew up in the same apartment complexes. Um, but huh. I had never joined or anything like that. I was just their buddies. You know, we were cool because our parents were cool and we played GI Joes together and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, I was always, I was just always like, meh, not for me. I want something else, you know? Interesting. What do you attribute that to? to like your like church upbringing or just what? Yeah, my mom likes to say it was always uh, a protection or a plan for me to not, you know, to, to not go like that. I was like, because at any opportunity, I could, totally could have, you know, yeah. done anything like that they were doing not don't get me wrong i had my share of trouble and stuff like that but i never really you know rolled with that crowd we were just friends but i think it was you know either it was partially a church i bring just knowing you know oh that's not right there or whatever but also um somehow they were never really pressuring me to do it It was more like we're just friends and it was available and mm-hmm. you know um they knew that i was a clown and i was just the uh, <laughs> out to have some fun and not, not, I didn't want to be all, you know, dung ho into that, um, lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> my mom likes to say I was protected, but yeah, I just like to say, I, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I probably was. And then I also like to say, I just, I was just like, meh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Like I, I definitely relate to that in that, like within like the punk, like kids and people like that, I always had opportunities to get into trouble, but for whatever reason, I, I think, I, I think in my case, it was probably just like a, just a terrifying fear of my father, like, uh, mm-hmm. killing me yeah. <laughs> was probably what kept me out a lot of that. <laughs> so like I always had in the back of my head, like somehow he's going to find out and, uh, it's going to be bad. Um, oh yeah was definitely a factor and for sure for yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's always there too it's like I, oh what's this okay go to your room and i'll talk to you in a minute i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> i gotta escape out the window i know so you were saying that you were playing like some sports kind of stuff when you were younger yeah i did i did i did a lot of soccer and then high school i played baseball mm-hmm. um and then I tried my one of my friends convinced me to try out for the football team, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Because I was, I was just a little speed demon, if you will, but I was not tough. And I, right. <laughs> I tried out. I went to the practices. I think I did maybe a week's worth because I got I caught a ball, and I was like, "Oh yeah!" And then you got hit. Guy, and then you're like, "Oh, I didn't know this involved getting hit." Destroyed me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. destroyed me, and I feel like that was the, the catalyst for my appendix bursting. Um, what? Like very shortly thereafter. Yeah. I think, I think he hit it and I somehow landed on the ball. I don't know what happened exactly or how the appendix really works. Cause it's gone now, but <laughs> it, um, it's All right. uh, like, a, I want to say like a week later I had surgery. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I've had mine out too, but it wasn't from like uh, anybody hitting me. Well, it, I think that was the start of the cause of it and then because like i want to say a week later my friend that was the, the dutch family was living with, he we were kind of wrestling he was jumping on me and i said i'm gonna throw up and it ended up being my appendix failing yes. <laughs> so i ended up going that night for an emergency surgery and it was it was pretty gnarly it was pretty painful um, yeah. up to that point i mean i had nothing else to relate it to as my first like surgery like that but yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I got, I had an emergency appendectomy, uh, and I just remember, well, I'd had my gallbladder out and that was like the worst pain in my life ever. Uh-huh. And, uh, I remember I was living actually in La Mirada and, uh, in this house. And I, I remember waking up and then feeling a pain in my side and then immediately going to throw up. And then I was like, take me to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. like, exactly. we're going to take your appendix out. It's like, because I had had a similar type thing. Like I, I knew like the feeling and I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> this huh. isn't yeah. like food poisoning or the flu or it's something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. Another useless organ that I'm going to ditch, uh, that evidently exactly. I don't need to live. <laughs> yeah crazy so explain to me a little bit more of like you're living with this dutch family but your mom's like still around like, yeah um so we were it was you know, for the districting my, so you could go to that school is that what it was yeah it was a couple things because when my dad left my mom was pretty pretty poor you know uh-huh. um we we were we were on welfare and i was okay. working a tiny bit to help out and she so she ran a daycare out of the house you know to get some more income Mm-hmm. And in that, all the, all the babies, all the little kids would sleep like kind of in my room at, for their nap time. So I'd come from home from school, having to do homework, like stepping over sleeping babies and like trying to be all quiet when I'm doing my math and stuff like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was pretty, because we had an apartment, but she was watching eight kids in the, for the daycare. Wow. And, uh, just in trying a to make tiny, like for, a tiny, tiny place. It was like, yeah, it was. To me, it was big when I was little, but now that I look at it, it was probably like, I want to say less than a thousand square feet for, you know, her and us three kids. And then now I think, I think she wanted to get the exchange students because they were paying her to do it. Uh Um, So we got this, we got the Pascal was our French one. And she, she was my age, high school. Um, But so she was going to join the the only caveat was that she, since she was a French, she had to take a foreign, a different language and she did not want to take Spanish. So she was going to take German at uh, high school. And sure. that was the year. I don't know. That was the year that, it's going to come uh, in handy, Josh. It's going to come in handy. Don't judge. She probably works yeah. like at the uh, United Nations now as an interpreter or something. Oh, for sure. She's, she's, her family is very uh, linguistic, but um, her, let's see so that was the year they canceled the german program at that school so we're like oh shoot we're going to lose the exchange student because she can't go oh, to that school no. because she will not take spanish and they won't get teeth they won't give her french so we had to figure something out and then um this other family that was friends with us was like well here's an opportunity for you know josh can come live with us and because mm-hmm. all the all of our you know kind of the youth group friends and all my friends that i knew through sports growing up went to this one school orange Glen. Uh-huh. And, um, they were, well, they were glad to take me in. And then that would, that would let Pascal sleep kind of in my room where I was at my mom's place. And so she could have that room. I got you. And so I lived, so I didn't live there kind of, you know, maybe I want to say 75, 80% of the time I was at, at the, the Vanderspeck's house. <laughs> and, um, and then so, but, but Pascal would, went to the school with me and she, where she could take her German classes. And, um, uh-huh. hang out with all the, the, the gym and, and she could, she hung out with all the other exchange students when I hung, well, I hung out with all my actual American friends. And, um, yeah. And then I would just go, um, I would just go back to the, my band, my actual mom's pad, um, <laughs> you know, hang out. Cause basically it was, um, I want, I don't want to, I mean, for lack of a better term, there was a lot less room when the exchange student uh-huh. came. Right. And she was sleeping. She was literally sleeping in my bed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere so for you to go. This, exactly. this, this entire scenario, I got to tell you, uh, is highly unusual. You, I guess you know <laughs> that since it was your life. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I've, I mean, if, I know people that have had exchange students. I know people that have had, you know, alternate living arrangements, but I don't know mm-hmm. that I've ever heard this particular. That is so crazy to me. Yeah, so we so the way the inner the inter inter district was crazy because because um yeah they just I don't know they weren't gonna let it happen and then they finally did because the because the family was like well he can live with us so he'll be at our address and they're like done deal let's do it and then yeah. that is the school where I met all the dogwood guys that's crazy great uh, yeah. great water polo team Orange Glen by the way <laughs> that's exactly well, he, at, he, at least in played. the in the eighties I remember them being uh, tough when I played back then yeah. 
He did. He, my, the guy I lived with was the water polo captain. Was he really? Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah, so out, out here on the East Coast, I, <laughs> yeah, out on the East Coast here, I tell people I played water polo in high school, and they look at me like I have a third eye. They're like, They're like, like what, what you live that? in Canada or something? Like, they don't get it. <laughs> yeah, curling. Yeah, everybody had it. a water polo team. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's what we do, man. <laughs> and when you get to college, you get a surf team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, uh, <laughs> so the guys, the dogwood guys, they were from like, uh, like friends from youth group or from school just from school or what so let's see looking back when it was when dogwood was called half off Mm -hmm. um so i was only one one person was in like the youth group that i was in so that was jace who was the original guitar player Uh and um he was the same you know he, he had a friend who was a drummer like or he they ended up anyways we, he found out that oh this other guy's a musician we started they started writing some stuff together so they were drumming and guitar and they all of a sudden they found out that their a friend in their class Josh Hagquist was a was uh, a bass player and um, from the who, beautiful mistake later yep much yep, later beautiful mistake Ember mm-hmm. a couple other yeah so he was our they were starting to write music together and then mm-hmm. um, they're like well none of us really have any lyrics yet or saying and but josh is pretty crazy let's ask him um <laughs> that, that was <laughs> the like, requirement what? he's crazy <laughs> i guess it yeah. was the only maybe i think it was also because we had similar music similar musical tastes because at uh-huh. the time this is at the time when um there was a surf movie called momentum that had just come out and there was bands in there like pennywise and um sprung monkey and i think a couple of fat records bands were in there and they're like, we like that sound. And I was, and I, I was watching snowboarding videos and they had bands like all the same bands and plus like Rocket from the Crypt and a couple of San Diego dudes. Cause they were all like, um, San Diego producers that were making these movies. Uh-huh. And so I was watching these videos. And I'm like, Whoa, that'd be cool. I like this music. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, Josh and Jace were like, Hey, we got this band. You want to, you know, a classic story. we got this band. You want to join the band and be in the band? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I sure. Half I got off. Them. What's that all Half about? Off. Yeah. Cause Josh, I think cause Josh went to a, a grocery store sure. or one of the meat, one of the Mexican meat markets in Escondido and, um, saw one of those like burst ads that said half off or something like that or half off something. <laughs> he and liked he the font up, or something. <laughs> the font was crazy. I want to say, I want to say, don't, this might be incriminating evidence. I want to say that he stole a couple of the stickers from the, from the grocery store. Sorry, yeah. Josh. I mean, that's um, a, I mean, why not if you can? <laughs> I mean, how punk rock is that, right? It's pretty punk. Um, so, so he's like, this would be a, this would be a funny. I think he said funny name. So we're, cause we didn't care. We weren't, we weren't trying to be like all, you know, serious or emo or anything at the time. Mm-hmm. We we're just like, yeah, let's do it. We need a name, whatever. Um, so we did that. And I think we, I want to say we played like maybe three, four shows under that moniker, maybe uh-huh. even more. Maybe. Where were, the, where were those shows at? Um, one our first, I want to say our first public show was on my 18th birthday at Soul Kitchen in Oklahoma, huh. by um, which is right next to the music store where Sean O'Donnell worked. Like in uh, the valley out there, in on Main Street in El Cajon. Okay. Um. So kind of, yeah. It's. It's actually the building's still there, and the, down the in guy, my hood, dude. Down, down in my hood. hood, exactly. Yeah, I'm, Fletcher I'm, Hills. I'm friends with the, the owner, <laughs> Mr. Fenton, because he's a farmer now. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. Small other side story, but yeah, now he's, I'm friends with him because he's a farmer and he does produce. And but he that's still crazy. holds like ukulele guitar classes for musicians and stuff. So that's pretty huh. cool. Mm-hmm. He's still doing it. But anyway, so that was our first show. You know, you know, mm-hmm. we roll up. We we invited all the high school friends and came out you know it's one of those like if you did 100 people here you can headline it you know you can open for oh, right. a headlining act so a test a test yeah so we did it and then you know the, <laughs> it was funny about that night the the first show the headliner canceled and so we had to i think we ended up i want to say we <laughs> quote unquote headlined and right um repeated your set bands. or something <laughs> yes exactly yeah. We did. We we did our set of of I think we had four or five songs of ours that we knew, and we were planning on doing one cover. I think 
I want to say it was Offspring. I forget which song it was that we did, but yeah. um, we cu- we ended up covering that song three times in the set because we didn't know the other song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we did you know some some originals and then three of the same cover, and then so there were like wannabe Pearl Jam band came out and played. But yeah, now that what, was our first show. <laughs> like, what year is this? Is this like like mid nineties or like what? So that must that was nineteen. 19- 90 I want to say 94 you were 18 so math is wrong. yeah <laughs> I see you're so as good like, at math as I am Josh <laughs> yeah I'm just trying, I'm just trying to go back to because we always say established 1984 so it must have been maybe for that one unless that would happen after that so yeah but yeah that was the first musical experience to the public for yeah what <laughs> what whatever that was <laughs> whatever that was whatever that was so then i, want, I also want to say that i think yes. josh had was was at biola university um because he had just finished school and then um one of our friends drove up there to orange county to get him to come drive him back down to Oklahoma for the show <laughs> yeah uh, that's what I we had for each other I had no idea what danger I was in uh, La Mirada, although this kind of predates all that. I read this book, uh, Disco's Out, Murder's In, about the La Mirada punks and their rogue punk gang that was terrorizing the city. Man, the OC is crazy. I know. Um, so you got all, of, there's all kinds of crazy punks and stories up there. And, um, you know, didn't you see the show, The OC? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> very realistic yes historically uh, accurate <laughs> it really tells the story of the everyman in, in orange county yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so then what was like the transition then between this half off thing like that was just like uh your first kind of thing and then you started over with some other people or what yeah um josh was getting busy up in you know school he, mm-hmm. so he was he chose a, a school path, which is awesome. So he couldn't make it to any more shows. So we had to find somebody to play, to fill in the bass, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were searching for a while. We weren't playing shows while we were searching, but found a guy, Bill. He was going to, he was one of our friends, friends, college roommates, out, but they were out in uh, Phoenix. So somehow we ended up recruiting what? him from Phoenix. Yeah. They were, wow. I mean, I don't know. It was, one of our good friends at the school out there and his college roommate was fully into the, the same music. He was like, Hey, introduced us. And he didn't play bass, but Jace was like, we want you to join the band and learn how to play bass. He's like, okay. So he did. And then, and then on t- also on top of that, um, let's see, my cousin, Russ, I, I found <laughs> out that he was turning, turning into a super good, uh, you know, drummer. So, and he wasn't in the band originally, but then Billy, our, the original drummer, um, kind of dropped off the space and just wanted to be, he just wanted to surf all the time and do yeah. his thing. So I was like, I'll do it. I can do it. You know, and I was like, okay. So that was the beginnings of the reason we changed the name to Dogwood also is because we found out there was some hardcore band in, I want to say Boston area called Half mm-hmm. Off. Okay. Um, one of the it 80s, happens. like paper magazine bands. No. Sure. Um, you guys finally I mean, got the internet because it was just starting, and then you're like, found yep. it on Angel Fire, uh, <laughs> an Angel Fire page with like a yep. animated GIF <laughs> line going across the top mm-hmm. of it or something. Yeah, I was thinking about making a website like that nowadays, just for a throwback, and people would be like, "That's funny," but or they I feel like, like I think Four Years Strong that band did that. That oh, they, they redid their, yeah they they redid their whole website to look like GeoCities or Angel Fire. Or oh yeah, okay, like shoot. Yeah, like yeah. with the counter. The, Sorry, the man. Click counter. <laughs> All right, I'll, yeah, with the I'll counter. Else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the American way. Just make it your own. You know, everybody yeah. is never content to just have one person do whatever the thing is. Got to, got yeah. everybody's got a franchise. So <laughs> you could do your own, your own twist on it or whatever. So here's something I'm curious about. Up to this point, mm-hmm. uh, it, as we're recounting some of this stuff, like you didn't really like, like it seems like you kind of fell into being like in band. It's not like you weren't describing like, Oh, just spent all my time like obsessed with music and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, 
I, I was, but I gave it the same equal amount of energy as I did to other things like surfing and skating and, you know, I gotcha. hanging out, hanging out with my, my, my brother and sister or uh-huh. friends. Um, it wasn't like, I, uh, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was more than, you know, it wasn't the majority of my life, but it was, it was definitely there. My, my mom was totally a, a rock and roll kid. Um, uh-huh. when, you know, when she was growing up, I have, she has, a, she has some really good records, have some good party stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I, we were always, there was always loud music in the house. And then, um, my aunt and uncle, they were totally into like the old, you know, um, Motown record, the R and B and like, and then getting into like Prince and all the funk uh-huh. and stuff like that. So I had a good mix of stuff in my life, not, but nothing really like nothing punk or hardcore at the time. It was just all really good, loud music and records and teaching me the value of a good record and stuff like that. So there was, a, that was always there, which was, which I'm very thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember got, like the I first think, show that you went to back then? I went with my mom. Um, yeah, I think she, cause she was, um, she somehow had connections, you know, her and her sister, we were backstage at the, um, San Diego sports arena for Santana. Um, wow. when I was like, I want to say I was five. Six. Huh. Yeah. She, cause she was, you know, she was, she used to, like I said, she was a, a party party person before she, she would say, <laughs> she would say before person. she got saved, she, before right. she met the Lord. All right. Um, saw the error of her yeah. ways. Yeah. <laughs> but she always, she still talks about those, the glory days kind of because, because I also think that was her, her true self was, um, I mean, her, she likes to have, she likes good music. She likes to have a good time and she's still finding that stuff in like, you know, the Christian version of the band, but there's never right. going to be, she's never going to have that kind of that same scene that she had when she was, you know, in sure. high school or college and hanging out, dating guys, you know, helping girls and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> so, there, that was happening. That was happening. We used to go to, uh, what's the outdoor amphitheater at San Diego state university. Do they still have that? They used to call it the open air theater. And then okay. now it's like some, you know, San Diego County Credit Union Open Air Theater brought to you by Chase Bank or whatever, you know. <laughs> Live Nation and yada, yeah. yada, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's still yeah, there. Yeah. We, used to, uh, we used to go hang out outside, like, because none of us could afford to, like, pay. And I remember going and watching, like, uh, like the cult with uh, Divinals oh, yeah. and, like, New Order and some different people. we just kind of stand outside the back gates back mm-hmm. there where we could hear it and kind of peek through the fence line as the That's whatever. the best way. And the other, <laughs> another good one. Another good one for that, or there's two, actually there's three really good outdoor venues similar to that vibe where you don't have to pay for the tickets is Humphreys by the Bay, um, Embarcadero area, and mm-hmm. um, the Starlight Theater of Balboa. Oh, cool. The outdoor amphitheater there where, you know, that one's space to do like a lot of shows there. And just recently um, was awesome. I, I don't, maybe you were there. I don't know. There was a million people there, but um, <laughs> Dri- Drive Lake Jehu, Drive Lake Jehu played at the oh, organ yeah, out there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did- with an organ. I saw them in New York. I did not see them at the Balboa thing, but I did go see oh, them okay. when they were out here. Good time. I saw I saw the YouTube of the of the thing. Oh, maybe that was yeah. There was a lot of there was a lot of YouTubing happening at that time. Yeah, with the with the Oregon thing it was well. It was cool. funny because everyone had yeah. everyone our age or or a lot of our friends all the all the San Diego bands were there hanging out and then but. Uh, all these little kids were skating around all their, all of the band members, kids who were like there. I was sending my kids on stage to go do the recording. So <laughs> like crawl through <laughs> the crowd, get up on the stage and, you know, get a, get a picture with Swami. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> that guy's still just so ridiculous. Cranking. Yeah. Man, Putting I love it. the fact that you're from San Diego. No one, no one knows about that stuff, man. I, although one of my instructors at my school did just go see hot snakes in Philadelphia. And I was like, oh my gosh, someone actually knows about this music that I'm like way into. I mean, I that's definitely, that's definitely when I, uh, I, as I've detailed before, like growing up on K rock and stuff like that, I was mm-hmm. too young to really go to shows, but my first show experiences were all in San Diego. And then listening to 91 X kind of as like yeah. the sister station to Carol Q and, yep. and all that stuff and going to see agent orange out at, uh, Montezuma hall, I think. And, and yep. circle jerks at Jackie Robinson, YMCA and all that, all that stuff. Shea cafe playing at Shea cafe, seeing the descendants there. So it's definitely my, uh, it's yeah. where it all, where it all came together. Yeah. I need that. I need, I like that story. My first <laughs> punk show that I saw was at Montezuma hall. Was it um, green day dookie? Whoa, that's awesome. They, 
I want to say they played with like Sam I Am and um, another Dang. Good, good punk band from that era. But that was my That's first sick. punk show that I can remember, that I can remember being like, you know, flailing around and when moshing, the new kind of moshing was a thing for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. But what's funny is my, do you remember the warehouse, that store, um, record store, the warehouse? Where? The warehouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay, so the, yeah. my first, somebody got me a gift card there for my birthday. Uh, uh-huh. um, and my first CD, when CDs had just become, become hot, unless I was late to the game because we were poor, but my first <laughs> CD was from the warehouse, and it was, don't kill me, but it was Boys to Men, nice. um, Motown Philly. And then that same, that next day, I, also, I got Offspring Ignition and Green Day Dookie. <laughs> so those were my first that's, CDs. That's quite a combo there. <laughs> well, yeah, because someone's like, you know, you got to check out these sick harmonies that Boys to Men do. You know, they're from like the whole like, you know, Bobby, yeah. New Edition guys and stuff like that. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. those things are cool, whatever, I'll check it out. And it turned out to be a really good record. But then, is, uh, is that was like, like end of the road era or whatever? Or is that like that was right? That was the record before that one. But okay. I think I wait. I don't know. But, I mean, that's about yeah, as much so as I know about that. There is, that's all you need. That's all you need to know. You're doing great. You can put, you can do trivia night at a bar with that. Um, but then, uh, closely followed behind was was Offspring Ignition, which really was like I was like because I, I bought that because of the snowboarding video. They were they had two songs in that video. Uh-huh. And then Green Day Dookie had just come out, and and um, yeah, that was that was pretty insane. That was a pretty insane time to have both of those records while we were coming up, you know. Yeah, so that was cool. We used to uh, come out from the valley and go skateboarding out, out by the roller coaster out there down uh, mm-hmm. Pacific Beach. Is that what that is? Uh, yeah. Mission beach. That one mission beach. Yeah. Yeah. The old wooden roller coaster. We used yeah. to get like rolled tacos at Roberto's or whatever down there mm-hmm. and go, go skateboarding there. down there. They're both yeah. still there. <laughs> I can't believe but, yeah. it. It's crazy. Uh, well, yeah. I, yeah. It's still there and it's still always busy at the, that Roberto's. Um, when fat Mike what... came it was at San Diego, no effect yeah. came and played at Canes right there by the roller coaster. There's a place uh-huh. called Canes. Yep. He was, uh, he was talking about Roberto's. He said, they should change the name to Regretto's. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I feel, I feel yeah. like San Diego stayed pretty well, like for a bigger town, like a lot of the things from like, I don't know, just stuff from my youth and things like that, like never really went away. Like they've had a pretty good consistency of, despite a lot of gentrification and things like that. I don't know. It seems like things kind of stick around there. It's yeah, yeah, they do. Um, especially with that, that the, the family that owns Roberto's is pretty well known around this area. They have a, you know, a few locations, so I think they're doing okay for themselves selling rolled tacos yeah. and California burritos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Often like you go other places and there's like almost nothing recognizable from you. Know? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, when I grew up, this was here. It's like not, none of that stuff is there, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, crazy. well, you know, there is. There is always beef and bun. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's always there. It's never, Sean and I talked away. about that. That 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 is like one of the greatest mysteries of life to me, how that place is still there. It's because they have a sweet fish tank. <laughs> People love it. <laughs> I, just, I just like, just thinking about like, I surely that guy that managed that place must have like sold it to somebody else because he was like doing coke and paying everybody cash into the table and going to the Del Mar racetrack and betting like all the money every day from the, from the place. To, you know, like, how, I can still see that. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, yeah, how, is he, yeah. how is he keeping that thing going? <laughs> Lots of milkshakes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now, now we've lo- we've back. lost everyone, Josh. We went down the locals only uh, rabbit hole, and now the five people oh, from San talk. Diego I mean, are hey, they're pumped, I and can, then they're. I can talk about what a burger or Chipotle or whatever else you know. <laughs> what do we, where are we? Where do you want to hit? Chipotle, you wanna... <laughs> some authentic San Diego uh, Mexican cuisine. That's how we're... Well, no, they're from like Greenwood, Colorado, aren't they? Or like some yeah. Kinda... Mm-hmm. And then, oh, what else we got? What else can, can we a have? White, a white guy from Colorado. Let's see. Start. Oh, Waffle House. Yeah, that's sure. Around. Gross. They have Waffle know. House in San Diego now? No, they don't. And oh, okay. I, there's people like me are trying to get them out here, but I, I don't know if they're holding out <laughs> or if San Diego doesn't let it happen or what. But, 
So listen, we could go down the whole like dogwood rabbit hole, but I covered a lot of that stuff with Sean and I'm, and yeah. I would, and I do this every time I have an intention to talk about something that is important to me and then I forget and then it's over. So now we're going to talk about how you went to San Francisco and how you got into all this food business. That's where we're going to start right now. Holy smokes. All right, here we go. Um, hey everybody, Josh is in a band called Dogwood. Uh, they're getting back together. They're doing some shows with MXVX and, uh, and whatnot. I think at the end of this week, I guess. Right. Yeah. Friday and Saturday. Holy cow. Um, so we'll, we'll mention that at the end and we'll get back to that, but I want to talk about why you left San Diego and got into all this food stuff. Yeah. So, um, wow. I guess it was a long, a long road coming up to up to that point of moving to San Francisco, but, you know, going back a little bit, we were always involved with, you know, kind of, uh, intentional house church kind of fringe Christian communities of mm-hmm. people wanting to do justice for the city, people wanting to, um, you know, kind of help those other people who don't have help. And I could relate to that because I, I myself received a lot of help when I was growing up from, mm-hmm. from the church, from, church people from non-church people, even from like, you know, anyone who wanted to help was, um, much needed in, in, in the life. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, I see that value in doing that, something like that from a, even from a, a non, a non-Christian or a Christian perspective. Um, mm-hmm. because, well, I feel like that's the one thing that Jesus had to do. And then also I feel like it's, um, even if you're not, in that scene, if you're not, uh, you know, color Jesus or, nice. well, nah, like, if you're not part of the, the church, if you're not a church person, if you're not a, because yeah. plenty of, I have plenty of friends who do this work with us who are not, you know, Bible believers or like, you know, mm-hmm. there's maybe they believe in, maybe they're Buddhist or Muslim or anything like that, but they just want to see good done in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, uh, some of the people in our church community, uh, that intentional community, there was, there was a lot of musicians, uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people from the Christian music scene coming in and out of there. There was uh, Bible studies, and um, we kind of lived in the same area. There was a, one property that had a, a few houses on it, so there was, you know, my wife and I in the front front house. There was a another a musician, band musician. Um, him and his family they owned the place, and they allowed people to come over and um, just kind of be themselves and talk about their their past and what they wanted mm-hmm. to do to change the world and how can we do this together? How can we how can we do this? So. Um, that was, uh, that was kind of the start, the spark of like them inviting us to come live down there because my wife, we had moved to LA for a minute for Lisa to finish school. So we huh. moved up there and they're like, Hey, when you, we want you to move back to San Diego and do this kind of intentional justice community with us. And we're like, huh. what? Okay. So we actually, they put us in their house for like six months while they built a, a cottage for us in the back. And then, um, <laughs> crazy stuff, but we were wow. doing, yeah, we were doing this whole thing together. And then in that time I had taken on more and more like, you know, food management positions and stuff like that, just because I want to say food and, and coffee and that kind of stuff, you know, the restaurant and bar scene were always kind of available to musicians who were between mm-hmm. tours and stuff like that. And they would always, I would always get a job in that field. Because um, it was flexible, was a little and they would let you much. take off yeah. and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Structure, construction was a little too strenuous on my back <laughs> and my muscles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little too dusty for my vocal cords. Yeah, and then um, so I was—I could always get a job as a barista or a busboy or a waiter or a cook or you know even a, then if there was a longer time between tours, I could be a manager. You know, yeah. um, so it was—it was really great because. Um, I was able to get all this, all the experience without knowing what it was leading up to. Um, so when we were in LA, I got a couple of food jobs, you know, coffee, bean, and tea leaf, man, doing stuff there. I was a, a chef at one of the studio, Hollywood studio uh, restaurants and just wow. uh, getting all the stuff, but no experience. So I was just like, that's what job. I was just going to say, like you didn't go to culinary <laughs> school or anything and you just became like a chef somewhere. Yeah. I did, I tried a spell of culinary school at Grossmont college for like half, like, I want to say like a semester or two. And I got some certifications, but I didn't finish. So right. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have the, what are these credentials you speak of? You know, um, <laughs> here's, everything here's an apron and a chef's hat and here's how to hold a knife and good luck. <laughs> yep. And so, <laughs> yeah. so I was like, well, sure. if I'm in a, if I was ever going to teach culinary students, I would definitely give them a little more. 
little bit more life skills just outside of here's yeah what you just said here take this and just trial by fire we're going to teach them how to you know i would teach how to talk to people or how to hold a phone conversation or how to take an order and stuff mm-hmm. like that so ended up moving up and just kept moving up in the ranks of, of the food and culinary world i guess some man took over managing this really busy restaurant called phil's barbecue and and um which ended up being you know he was one of my customers at a coffee shop and he's like hey i'm opening this new restaurant or he had a restaurant i'm, open, I'm moving i'm opening a bigger restaurant you want to come manage it i was like uh yeah so did that move, move from coffee to barbecue and then um it ended up being his restaurant is like still to this day even from back then one of the busiest restaurants in california um wow um, he's got multiple locations now, but at that time it was just that one huge, big, busy, um, barbecue restaurant. And, uh, um, you know, it's just like, it's kind of a tourist attraction now. It's like a TV, you know, place and he's just expanding <laughs> the empire. But I was with little to no experience managing this, you know, multi-million dollar facility. And, um, that's crazy uh, at the time. And so in through all this, my wife's college roommate was starting up this, um, she was a corrections officer up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And, and she kept seeing the same boys come, come through her program at the, at the facility. She kept seeing the, the same, um, incarcerated young men. She was working mm-hmm. with young men. She kept seeing the same guys come through. She's like, what are you doing here again? And they're like, no one will hire us. We can't get any jobs. So we go back to our, what we were doing before. She's like, well, mm-hmm. now you're back here. What you're doing before. And they're like, well, we can't get a job with a neck tattoo or with like our record. Um, she's like, Hmm. So she had a big calling on her heart to, to train these guys. <clears throat> and so she started doing, she quit, she quit her, um, correctional facilities job where she could have, you know, ended up doing for as a career forever, but she stopped to got her life savings and started. She wanted to like train these young men who were coming out of juvie and or or worse like boys ranch or anything like that um mm-hmm. just training them on manners and habits like i said all the stuff that i was wanting to teach people like how to just speak to these guys so just so they could get a job she's like well let's see where are we san francisco what's here um i know there's a lot of restaurants but she had mm-hmm. no restaurant experience so she was she was basically trying to she would keep bringing them over to her house and like dress them up all nice and show them how to do a proper tea uh, drink a high a high tea party you know uh-huh. and, and then uh, i think after a while this was like well you know i can't they they need to let know a little more than tea but i don't have this kind of experience so <laughs> finger hearing, sandwiches you know, and tea aren't gonna it was. get she, you there she, yeah if you go visit her house today she still has a, she has a tea room and she has the guys huh. over for tea and stuff like that so it's kind of she stuck to her guns on that for sure yeah but yeah. uh but she didn't have any experience and she she was figuring out that she wanted to start a nonprofit and do expand this whole thing is kind of getting too big for her house because um, she would have she would have guest chefs come over to her house and the, the students would serve and work with the chef and you know sell to the folks but it was like i said getting too big for her house she needed yeah. to, she needed to get out and she was my wife's college roommate so she was asking lisa my wife to come up you know she's like you guys should come up and do this with me and then i think she asked us for like i don't know over a year at least over two years we kept saying no 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 you know we don't I don't know. We don't, we like San Diego. We don't want to do San Diego. Like, whatever, whatever we were saying, no, no, no to. And then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden the time was right. You know, it just time came up right for both of us. Um, cause Lisa, you know, she could, she does, um, she's a counselor, um, art therapist. So it was a perfect fit for kind of that aspect of the program, uh, what was going on up there. And then I had my, you know, the music background and which was also led to a lot of, you know, speaking from stage and so public, and then like you know now i was managing restaurants and doing all this stuff and training people and, and then i had some culinary stuff so she's like it's the perfect set like you know you guys it's totally meant to be and then um <laughs> dang so, persistent yeah. yeah exactly so she oh she's definitely she's really persistent she's uh she 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 if she gets the vision and, and she will really go for it until it's like a definite 100 no you know so she so she gets a lot of yeses that way um, so she, so eventually, you know, I think I want to say February of 2007, I think we decided. And then August we moved August 1st. And then we went up there and built to, to this nonprofit restaurant business out of her house and built a restaurant, um, 
in San Francisco, which is insane. There was just all these pieces falling into place um, to make it to make it happen. It was like you know all this kind of like divine intervention, like going through all this other stuff, like people coming from Alabama to volunteer to to help us build it. And um, so they're literally the students were going from you know tea parties and manners training at our house to like hammering nails, working with co- professional contractors, and plumbing to build this restaurant um, themselves. Wow! And so it was totally like this youth run music supper club based on like the based on like the 19 you know 20s to 30s harlem jazz renaissance you know cotton club kind of thing Mm -hmm. because there's live there's live music every night and um, everyone's dressed in like you know red bow tie kind of zoot suit kind of style like Um, jazz uh, clothing yeah yeah it's definitely a period like jazz supper club like it's if you walk in there it's like dimly lit like you know there's piano but all the musicians are also youth oriented like you know 1824 so like the whole thing is basically empowering the, the youth, the the same audience that I was singing to in the band, like, you know, how to get ahead in life and like, you know, do the right thing. Because we would see, mm. you know, if they did leave the training program before they were done, they would probably go back to their previous lifestyle. Mm. You know, as soon as they, like, if they if they left before, say, the 10-week class classes were over, they would definitely get back into trouble. And, yeah. it was, um, and if they stayed... They would, they would tell like more of a place to be and they got hired on, you know, I still stay in touch with them. Like a couple of my cooks, they're doing, they're still doing good things. Working in San Francisco is, is no joke. Um, wow. with the restaurant scene, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're doing it and they, uh, they attribute it to the fact that they stayed in the old school program. Huh. That's so, so awesome. Pretty cool. So yeah. yeah. So then we did that for three years, like for the day, two years I did it full time. And then one year I volunteered while I was working at another restaurant. Wow. What restaurant were you working at while, while you were volunteering? Um, I was managing this uh, Chicago pizzeria called Pachi's up there in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, really good, really good uh, Chicago place. And they had a couple locations. But um, um, more more than that, I was um, getting all these different get side gigs uh-huh. um, with all these other chefs from around town. Because I met a lot of chefs through the program who would volunteer right. with us. Uh-huh. And they would want to hire students. But then I, they would also hire me as, as staff. So I was... I was working alongside some crazy San Francisco Bay Area chefs and I was learning all, all kinds of different cuisines and techniques that, that I'd never even tried before. Just being in San Diego, you don't have to know much more than, you know, carne asada burritos and stuff like that. Right. I mean, you can, you can obviously, but you, San Francisco's no like a bit more international, right? With Asian influences. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a hub for fine dining and, um, you know, high, higher end restaurants. There's a lot more money. Mm-hmm. to be spent on food there's a lot more um there's a wider area of um, you know uh different farms to pick from there's a different weather so there's a lot of i was at the time when we moved up there there was um one restaurant for every about 15 people in the city <laughs> what <laughs> yeah That's different crazy. styles there was i mean they're not all like fine dining but there was all all different kinds of food establishments all around like different old houses became spaghetti places or like you know yeah. somebody built a pupuseria right next door to your house you know, yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. It's, <laughs> this is where there's one of the best places there that I went to is in a it's a Korean fried chicken place in someone's garage. You know? What? Like of their yeah. house? Yeah, yeah, of mother and daughter. That's crazy. They just do it, so it's crazy, and then it's just totally acceptable up there. Just you want to do a restaurant, just figure out a way to build it. You know? Yeah. So yeah, we did that, so, and then <laughs> so then what? What? Uh, what ended all that and brought you guys back to San Diego? I think I think one of our friends we were talking to down here. They were talking to us about, hey, when are you guys in back? And then he's like, you know, I don't know. She, she's like, when should, we should think about San Diego again. We should move back. You know, all of our families here, all of our extended mm-hmm. family is mostly from San Diego area. Um, so we're, yeah, let's 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 plan on let's plan on uh, let's plan on moving back. Let's let's make a plan to to get down there and move and you know maybe do something similar or whatever or maybe start something. Let's let's just but let's let's just plan on it. Definitely rooting back putting our roots down in San Diego, you know, mm-hmm. and the family had out here and stuff like that. So, uh, cause that way, you know, San Francisco, that was, it was three years to the day, like August 1st to August 1st, <laughs> which is kind wow. of random, but August 1st to August 1st of three years. And then came back down here, um, to our home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you just like decided to go back and then like, what did you end up doing? I know you're still doing food stuff, but like, so yeah, walk um, me through that. I try to I try to keep um, 
uh, music involved in a lot of the aspects of what I'm doing too, because mm-hmm. that was obviously a majority of my adult life. So I tried, you know, use the moniker or hashtag punk chef or anything like that. Just, or we do like mood <laughs> music and food pairing, uh-huh. you know, any, or, or music and beverage pairing, stuff like that. So there's always an element of, um, you know, what I was doing before in now and that I can, I'm, I train the students on how to do that kind of like, what do you, so we listen to music in the program too. Like, what do you feel when you hear this, this punk song or, you know, this rap song or anything like that? So what kind of food would you cook for that type of thing? So, um, huh. that's part of what we're doing. Part of what I do now, um, and tables. So we do, um, tables. It's yeah. The, the nonprofit organization is called urban life. And then my, per, my particular program is called tables. Okay. Um, so we, yeah, it's the kind of, it's basically the same, if very similar to old school up in San Francisco, but, uh-huh. um, except we're not, it's not a jazz supper club. It's, it's more like, um, we try and special thrive, specialize and thrive in the stuff that I, that I'm good at doing, which is the, like I said, the music stuff, the live, uh-huh. live, live performances, if you will, of, um, you know, cooking live at someone's house or anything like that. We do a lot of like, you know, caterings and weddings and such, but I would keep, I always try and keep that little like punk edge if we can, you know, <laughs> keep, yeah. that, keep that, keep that stream going. And then, you know, every once in a while it'll slip out that you were, you were the singer in Dogwood. Oh my gosh. You know, or whatever. Like my sister used to go to your shows or something, you know, like, <laughs> that's cool. like yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. That's why we, that's why we do so much like music with our food and stuff like that. It definitely defined, defined and defined who, who I am. Yeah. Yeah, that, so that's, that's, that's cool. happening all over San Diego. So now, are you doing a similar thing then, also with like at risk like youth and that kind of thing? Then, yeah. So my students are very similar to that, um, and and even now, now though they're even more. They're from all over uh, the area that we live in, and City Heights is like very. Um, there's a lot of refugees from around the world, specifically uh-huh. um, North and Eastern African um, refugees. So there's some. There's some language barriers particularly, but, um, if we, if we keep them in programs like, you know, training programs like this initiatives of keeping them busy and working and giving them holistic, you know, healing and, and, um, training for their general life, uh-huh. that, that'll help them. Uh, we, I feel like that'll help them thrive. You know, if they want to be an entrepreneur somehow, we, we kind of incubate that passion. Like, how do you, you know, how do you become, or say you don't want to be a chef, how do you become a, uh, how do you open your own barbershop or how do you become a musician? You know, how, mm-hmm. how do we do, help you do these things? Because basically the food and the program, that's just more like a facade for, we want to keep them safe and, and healthy, you know, but right. we're just using the food as a, as a catalyst to bring them into the program, you know? Interesting. <laughs> so it's cool also because, oh, because I give them ingredients and they cook, they go home and cook for their families and stuff like that too. So that's, it's, it's really rewarding to see them, uh, doing that that's cool now yeah. you're getting a lot of like uh stuff from local <laughs> agriculture and that kind of thing like farm to table type situation or like what what's that like in san diego i have no sense of like what that's like there oh yeah it is um we have there's our particular organization urban life has we actually have two farms ourselves and then mm-hmm. we partner up with other farms around us like you know there's one in encanto there's a couple in north county that we all um, do, there's a CSA, which, you know, people can subscribe to the, the farm produce. Yep. And then we, we try and use as much as we can from our own farm. And then mm-hmm. we also partner with um, others. There's lots of San Diego farms and also some across the border in Mexico. It still counts as, you know, local is technically anywhere within 100 to 150 miles of your establishment. So right. San Diego, generally speaking, has a lot, a lot of farm land to offer. And, yeah. so, and generally, generally speaking, great weather. Oh, today is pretty stormy, but you know, <laughs> we're, there's always some fresh, like dirty produce to wash up and use on our menu. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, it, it's 20, uh, it's 20 degrees here. <laughs> oh, okay. You're good. So it's I'm probably, I'm, it's probably great there. <laughs> yeah. It, it's raining, but it's still like 75 and sunny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can remember being a kid and living in Fallbrook and, and, uh, walking up the dirt road to my house and picking fruit off the trees and, you know, being surrounded by avocado groves yeah. and all that. So I definitely have a memory of that from North County for sure. That's still the avocado capital of the world. 
Well, there you go. <laughs> that's cool. So uh, that's really fascinating to me. I remember just kind of following some, uh, you know, it's kind of weird indicative mm-hmm. of how we live these days. We just see things on Instagram or Facebook or yeah. whatever. And, and uh, so I got little glimpses of that, but I didn't really know like what the full story was behind that. So um, before we go here, just tell me a little bit about like what brought about the dogwood thing. Um, I mean, I, I know what's prevented it previously is your uh, guitarist was living here in New Jersey, not yeah. too far from me, yeah. but uh, what kind of brought that all about? So, I mean, yeah, every once in a while we'll get it, we'll get a request or a phone call or, you know, something to play. Hey, can you guys come to Brazil or can you guys play in Florida? Or like, I'm like, well, here's the situation, <laughs> you know? Um, Cause they'll never say like, no way, man, I wouldn't do that. But I'm always like, um, we physically, probably can't you know that sounds um, cool but i don't know how we would do that yeah exactly it's like it would take a miracle like what would it take we'll make it happen i was like no i mean so it just <laughs> kind of worked out timing wise this time because um mike you know Herrera gave me a call and um he's like hey we're doing these shows in southern california um let me know what you think blah blah so so i called up the guys and said hey this is here's this here's what's happening can you guys do it and it just, I think maybe because it was around Christmas time and January, like everyone was kind of around and, um, Sean was, you know, his, him and his, he and his wife are both from California. So they were out here. So he's like, Hmm, let me check. And, you know, maybe Aaron can, his wife, maybe she can, maybe we can work out with like an vacation or whatever. And, uh, it just kind of, I don't know, fell into place timing wise. It was just because so since it's so close to that Christmas holiday. I think it was a good good idea of when to do the shows um mm-hmm. i mean regardless mxpx probably would still would have done the shows um without us but it, it right. just worked out that that we were uh we were the southern california guys and it was we were all here at the same time like and schedule wise everyone was able to to get the weekend off and do it and stuff like that it was cool that's cool so we're stoked do you have an you don't have any other plans beyond this really though yeah or do you I would, I mean, I would say not technically, like I said, Sean, or, you know, Sean does not live near us. So practice is a challenge in that sense. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Jason and Russell and, and myself, we all live very close to each other, but, um, you know, we, we, we need a guitar player. So, um, <laughs> and you know, we've had, obviously we've had a bunch of other members throughout the years, um, you know, touring or filling sure. in or different records and stuff like that. But oh, I think yeah. that we, we didn't, I kept saying no because I didn't want to do, I mean, I mean, no offense to any of the other guys, but I didn't, I, I think there was a core. There was definitely a core of, I don't know how many times sure. we recorded together and toured yeah, together. Yeah. And, you know, ever since from when we signed to do the nail till, you know, till the end, the end days, it was mostly these four guys. So, um, I think that's what I would have always wanted to do is, you know, if it was, if Sean or the guys were ever available to do a show from any of the, of the other requests, I would have said yes, but you know, since it was, since there was no time where all four people were available, then I, I kept turning it down. But so this one worked out, you know, more, more of that, like divine intervention in my life, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I don't want to in any way demean uh, your musical efforts because of course I was a part of a lot of that and I love those <laughs> records and uh, it allowed me to, you know, become friends with you guys and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think what you're doing with the food stuff and, and helping uh, at risk kids is just outstanding. And, and uh, it Thanks. makes me happy to know that you're still continuing that work uh, today. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that Dogwood played a, a huge part in getting me to this, this kind of chef life, you know? Yeah. You're like, I can't, this is not sustainable. What am I going to do instead? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, but I'm always down to put the, you know, like I said, I want to keep the punk rock spirit going, you know, with the, yeah, with yeah. Food and everything. So, well, you got like a, a real estate agent, a fireman, a chef <laughs> and yeah. a, uh, and a house dad slash producer, right? <laughs> exactly. It's a perfect mix. It's a perfect mix. We could, we could start our own business. Well, I would, I would, I would promote these shows, but by the time this is going to come out on Friday night, Saturday. So if you're, if you're one of these, get right on top of the show, people, you might still have a chance to, are those shows sold out though? Anyway? I don't think that, I think there's a handful of tickets up in San Diego and I'm not, I think Ventura is a little bit bigger. So there's still a handful for that too. But yeah, I haven't heard the latest numbers, but is I would Ventura's, say by the time you hear this show, that they'll sell out. 
<laughs> You've missed the boat already, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's too like, late. You know, the tickets available from the, the guys who buy a, a handful of them and sell them a bit on, they're on their own. Kind of thing, uh, you know, but we're not going to promote not those people. Jerks. Yeah, we don't. They don't need the business. <laughs> Venture a second Saturday night? Venture is second. Yeah. Friday the 13th is San Diego. And then oh, Venture is the 14th. Look Hello. Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> Which is cool, though, because actually the venue is like right around the corner from where I grew up with my mom. So oh, that's like, awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so Tender cool. Mm-hmm. Well, it was great talking to you today, Josh. Thanks for doing the show. You too, man. I'm so glad you called. Josh Kemble. Uh, how about that guy, huh? What a good dude. Uh, anyway, uh, urbanlifetables.org. That's urbanlifetables.org. I encourage you to uh, check that out. Some of the cool stuff that Josh is involved in in uh, San Diego. And it was great to have him on the show today. Seems only appropriate that the intro music uh, for this episode was uh, The Good Times from Building a Better Me by Dogwood. And uh, you should definitely check uh, that record as well as all the other Dogwood records out. And if you're in L.A. or San Diego and you're hearing this on Friday, it may not be too late. I'm not sure. But uh, probably dig up a ticket to one of those shows and you should definitely go out. If you make it out, tell Josh and the guys I said hello. As always, the Urban Achiever opening and closing theme show music were written and performed by Ethan Luck. You can check out Ethan at Ethan Luck. Bandcamp.com. In case you didn't notice, uh, this show did come out at a different uh, day and time than it used to. Uh, these shows, hopefully now for the Friday episodes, when I have them, they'll be published uh, at midnight Thursday, uh, 12 a.m. Friday, if you like. Um, so I'm trying to publish every Monday and every Friday. Monday at noon and uh, Friday at, uh, you know, Thursday at midnight, Friday, 12 a.m. for you night owl people. And that would be 9 p.m. West Coast. All right, that's it for me. Keep up the good work. I'm proud of you. Bambooey. (laughs) I don't think it is, somehow. (laughs) Oh, that's my wife, Lisa, saying hi to you. Well, hello, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. (laughs) She stoked on that.